Are you smart, confident, and disciplined most of the time, but secretly fear the changes you've made with respect to alcohol won't last because they never do? Today, I'm going to give you a Jedi mind trick to heal the fear that you'll eventually lose control again so that you know exactly how to prevent a moment of weakness from spiraling into a week or a month or even years. That's next on the Recover with Colleen podcast. I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. Welcome back everybody. So today we're talking about the sensation of uneasiness that rolls over you like a heavy blanket of fog. It feels dark and heavy and paralyzing. Sometimes it's waiting for you as you wake up. You remember last night, you drank the booze or ate the cake or said the thing or sent that damn text. Sometimes it's a premonition. You're driving on your way home And you just passed the gym, and so you guess it turns out that you're not going to go after all, even though you promised yourself last night that today would be different. This fear that the changes you've made with respect to alcohol can't last because they never do can take many forms. So you might experience it as a random alcohol craving that appears out of nowhere. Like you're not even thinking about drinking, and then suddenly, boom, you start thinking how if you did have a drink, you'd drink the whole bottle. Like this mysterious thirst is a bottomless pit that can never be quenched. Or the fear might come on as a memory. You suddenly remember how nice it felt to have drinking as your go-to, how good it felt to open that bottle of wine and sit outside in nature and enjoy a chat with your spouse or friend. And then you start thinking that life isn't really worth living if you can't have that experience again. Or the fear comes on as a depression. Your mood just suddenly drops into a free fall. You start thinking about all the progress you've supposedly made in so many areas and that really you've just been pretending to be okay. In reality, you're not okay and you never will be okay because this feeling is who you really are and it's hopeless. Or the fear can be triggered by other people, whether you're talking to them in real life or just in your head. Like maybe somebody asks you a question or makes a comment about alcohol or drinking or really anything, and suddenly you feel put on the spot, called out, and that feels really shameful. Or maybe you're just thinking about other people's opinions about you and your drinking or how you used to drink or what if you started drinking in the future and how these people will always think of you as an alcoholic who can't control herself. You know this feeling I'm talking about, right? I mean, it can come on fast or slow. And again, you might not even be thinking about drinking, but either way, it's heavy and dark and paralyzing and sucks all the wind out of your sails. 
And because this fear is such an intense feeling, it grabs your attention and it overrides your logic and objectivity. Like in this moment, you forget that other feelings exist in other moments or that yesterday or even five minutes ago, you felt confident and proud and relieved that all that's in the past. And when this fear arises, you may start to feel anxious and brain foggy. You may not really even be aware that this is happening. Your mind just starts racing and you hear thoughts like, I can't do this. I give up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't keep doing this forever. Or the fear kind of triggers a depression. And again, you may not even be able to articulate what's happening. It just feels like you're not okay. You're not comfortable in your own skin. It doesn't feel good to be you. It doesn't feel safe. But either way, however it happens, the fear severs your connection to your own sense of power because you think the fear is telling you the truth, that you're weak and pathetic and you will never be happy. But what's really happening is that your body has gone into a stress response. If you pay attention in these moments, you will notice that your breath gets shallow, your heart rate ticks up, and your ability to focus on anything else rapidly declines. But here's the thing. The call is coming from inside the house. Your mind is telling you a scary story and your nervous system is perceiving that story as a threat to your safety. And the biggest mistake you can make is something that you have done, we have all done many, many times. It's actually our default response. We try to argue with the story. We resist it. We try to talk ourselves out of feeling this way. We start doing mental math to adjust the narrative and we're defending and validating and bargaining, like whatever, anything to try to make that fear go away. And sometimes that works, right? You've done it thousands of times because emotions are temporary. When the idea that you're a weak and pathetic slave to alcohol hijacks your brain, you probably put up a fight. Maybe you argue against it or rely on your willpower and you win the round or you try to prove it wrong. You go work out and make a nice meal and get some shit done. See, you think I'm not an alcoholic, but that actually can backfire when it's time for happy hour because if you're not an alcoholic, then it's fine to have a drink, right? Or maybe the feeling is so bad and telling you some truths and it's strong enough that you surrender to it. I've done this. Many of you probably have as well. You tell your friends and family you have a problem. You ask for help. You start going to sobriety meetings. You swear you'll never drink again. That works too. As long as you're not a practicing alcoholic, you can earn your sense of control. Prove that you're okay. And that feels better, right? But avoiding the feeling, even if you're pursuing sobriety, doesn't change the message that that feeling is communicating, that deep down in your body, in your gut, you actually believe something is fundamentally broken and flawed and that you'll never be free or happy. And as long as you believe that fear to be true, that fear has power over you. Which is why the 12-step philosophy demands that you take this one day at a time. And they remind you daily that you can never escape. 
There is no recovery. You may enjoy the camaraderie in the meetings, but you are being trained to think that your addiction is doing push-ups in the parking lot. They literally teach you to live in fear. And while the intention is sincere, they are trying to keep you safe using the fear to keep you safe. The science is flawed because fear is an emotion. Like any other, it comes and goes. And it coexists with your confidence and your rebellion and your desire to be free and your shame about the past and your longing for the future. Like all of the, all of our emotions exist together in our body. There's no getting rid of them. And if you're not in the habit of managing your emotions, which by the way, is not the same thing as managing your behavior. It's quite the opposite. In fact, if you're not managing your emotions, you're being jerked around. Not knowing how to manage your emotions is what makes you moody and bipolar and prone to impulsive black and white, all or nothing thinking. Because if you're not managing your emotions, you're believing everything that you think in any given moment. You think what you think is true. And you're failing to notice that it's impossible that everything you think is true because what you think is constantly changing. So here's the deal. If your motivation to stay sober is coming from the belief that you're an alcoholic, it will be easier to abstain when you feel scared and defeated, like a dog with her tail between her legs. But what about when your inner teenager wants to take a joyride? Or when your inner lawyer argues that you've punished yourself long enough? Or when the grown-up, confident version of you says, hey, there's nothing wrong with me. As long as you think that your fear is telling you the truth, that you can't control yourself, then your inner maverick has a reason to fight. And there will be an epic battle of good and evil taking place in your nervous system. And the only way to regain control over yourself is to become a master of your emotions, not your behavior, your emotions, to realize that your feelings aren't a reflection of the truth at all. They're just a reflection of whatever you're thinking in any given moment. Feelings are just the felt sensation of thought. Just like you hear the words that I'm speaking, you feel the thoughts that you're thinking. You feel what you think and you think what you feel. It's a feedback loop. And that's why it's so hard to escape if you don't have the right tools. You already know that you actually can choose to believe whatever you want to believe. How many times have you declared, I can think whatever I want to think? And you can. You've changed your mind countless times in your life. It's just that most of the time you change it in a natural process. You're not really conscious of the fact that you're changing your mind. You're not changing it necessarily on purpose. You're just being exposed to people and ideas and certain thoughts and slowly you come around because we tend to believe whatever is most familiar. For example, I'm not an early adopter of fall fashions. Every year, I'm like, no, I am not wearing wide-legged mom jeans or the crop tops, or the short boots. I look good in the skinny jeggings and the tunics and tall boots. But then, after a few months, I start seeing all my fashion-forward friends sporting the new trends, and I start thinking how cute they look. And pretty soon, I've got myself a new outfit, and I actually think I look pretty good. And 
I can resist all the changes I want, but continuous exposure to people leading the pack eventually wears me down. That's a natural process. Although I will say, as God is my witness, I'm not going back to low-rise jeans. I don't care who's wearing them. I don't think butt cleavage is sexy on anybody, and I will not be changing my mind about that. I mean, probably. Check back in six months. And so, unless you identify as a rejecter of trends, changing your mind about your clothes isn't really a threat to your ego, right? Most of us hold on loosely to our beliefs about what looks good. We're open to new ideas. We expect our minds to change about fashion. But that's not the case when it comes to alcohol, especially if you grew up with alcoholic parents or if you identify as somebody with an addictive personality. If you believe that it's harder for you to control yourself than it is for other people, normal people, then that's going to be your reality. But science shows that it is the belief that you can't control yourself that predicts future behavior, not genetics, not environment, and not even past addictions. You guys, this is research-based. The fact that I drank every day for nearly 15 years does not make me any more susceptible to over-drinking today than anybody else, unless I think it does. And so this is where we get stuck. We think that since we weren't able to control our drinking in the past, we won't be able to control it in the future. And that is the belief I want you to pull into consciousness today. This is the Jedi mind trick. Okay, are you ready? Ask yourself right now on a scale of one to 10, how strongly you believe that you might lose control of your drinking again sometime in the future. I want you to let that question resonate for a minute. Like ask your subconscious and then feel the answer in your body. Do you think that you could lose control of your drinking again in the future. Don't be afraid, be honest. Let your truth come to the surface right now. Put your mind's eye on it and really pay attention. I want you to try to feel that fear in your body, even if you're just remembering what it feels like. Where do you feel it? For me, the fear appears in my chest. It feels like a heavy log sitting right on top of my heart. I feel a squeeze or an ache, and then images flash into my mind. Like I remember the taste of vodka on my fingers when I'd stir it, my drink after topping it off. And I can see myself sitting in front of the TV, not really caring what I watched because I just felt like I had sludge in my veins after a few drinks. And I remember thinking, I should just stop drinking because this isn't even hitting me right. I'm not even liking it. I don't even want this. It's draining my energy instead of like setting me free. I wasn't getting the buzz I was chasing. And I thought, okay, I should pour it out, but then I won't be able to go to sleep. And I would start to feel numb and tired. And then I just didn't have the energy to deal with it. And so I would just keep drinking. Okay, so I'm, I remembered the feeling and then now I remembered the thoughts and then I had images and memories of the past. And now with those memories and thoughts and feelings come new thoughts. And those thoughts are that I'm not going to be able to resist the pull of that numbness forever because I liked it. I miss it. I want to feel that way again. 
I'm not strong enough to fight this fight forever. And those thoughts stoke the fear. I feel the fear and I'm thinking the thoughts and I'm thinking the thoughts and I'm feeling the fear. And this is the feedback loop we have to escape. And here's how. Are you ready? You have to wake yourself up. None of this is actually happening. You're having a waking dream. It's all happening in your imagination. Your brain is telling you a story and your body is believing it. All you have to do is allow yourself to feel the fear for as long as it's there. So you shift your focus from the story in your head and into the sensations of your body. You can only pay attention to one thing at a time. You're either thinking the thoughts and remembering the memories or you're feeling the sensations in your body. And it's not like you can completely stop thinking, but what you do is you pull your consciousness back, like you bear witness to your thoughts without becoming the thoughts. Like you can see them, but you're not engaging with them. And this slows them down. So you just start noticing what you're thinking and then start connecting the way you're feeling to what you're thinking. And then you put your hand on your heart and you say, Oh, baby, I feel you. Those are scary and painful thoughts. Those are scary and painful memories. But it's okay. I'm here with you now. And here's the truth when I say this isn't really happening. Because in real life, my experience with alcohol is nothing like I think about it when that fear comes up. In truth, I couldn't actually experience that same feeling, that pull of that numbness again, even if I went and poured myself a vodka, because I'm not in active addiction anymore. My brain chemistry is balanced, meaning my dopamine is functioning normally. I'm not operating on a deficit. And my nervous system is regulated, meaning I don't go from zero to a 10 anxiety in under 60 seconds. And my thought processes and my beliefs have changed. I don't believe that alcohol relieves anxiety anymore. In fact, I know it's just the opposite. I've educated myself about the social drug that we all call alcohol, and I know damn good and well that I literally would never want more than one drink. I don't like the feeling of being disconnected and buzzy. I don't like waking up in the middle of the night. In real life, I have no desire to do that to myself. I know that because I've tested it. You know, so we went to a lake party this summer and I was drinking club soda all afternoon and we had dinner and I went to the bartender and I got a refill and I heard myself say, I didn't really think about it. I said, you know what? I'll have a little splash of Grey Goose in that. And so I took a sip and I could taste the vodka and it smelled like hand sanitizer. So I stirred it and I added a lime and I drank half of it. And I started to get this strange sensation in my legs of all places, like in my muscles and and whatever. It was just weird. I didn't like it. So I put the drink down and I went back for a fresh, clean and clear club soda. I just went back to club soda. In real life, my brain has healed. I was 100% sober for almost three years. My mind and body are now in sync. There's nothing for me to escape anymore. No reason for me to even want to be numb, much less drunk and sick. 
Like, ugh, I can't even imagine anymore. And so what the fear is coming from is memories that no longer exist in this present moment. And I can look back on myself, that woman, with so much compassion. That woman that I was didn't know any better. She didn't know that alcohol was causing the problems she was using alcohol to solve. She didn't know that. So it it was an honest mistake. And like so many of us, I bought into a bunch of stupid ideas that alcohol makes everything better. And because I believed that, I ignored the evidence to the contrary. I didn't know that alcohol was addictive. I truly thought that only alcoholics are addicted to alcohol. Like what the hell is an alcoholic? I mean, I just had no idea because AA and big alcohol teaches us that there's a difference between normal drinkers and alcoholics. And for years, I was a normal drinker. It was a very slippery slope into alcohol use disorder. You know, I was like a frog who jumped into a pot of cold water because I thought it was a pool party. And I didn't notice that the heat had made it harder and harder for me to jump out. That's why I wasn't jumping out. But here's the next truth. I did jump out. I may have stayed in the water that was too hot for 15 years, but I did actually finally walk myself out. I did escape. It was hard and healing took time, but I wasn't actually trapped or unable to help myself. I just didn't know when I was in it that I could actually save myself. I believed that something was wrong with me. I just didn't know. And many people who get sober through AA never get to know that, even though they are literally living with the evidence that they actually can save themselves, that they're not powerless because they've already done it. They're just telling themselves a different story about what happened. And I still remember how it felt to go to my first AA meeting a few days after I quit drinking and to say the words, hi, my name is Colleen and I'm, I'm an alcoholic. And then what it felt like to work with my sponsor, who was encouraging me to admit, not encouraging me, like telling me, that my life had been unmanageable because I was powerless over alcohol. It just felt wrong because it was a lie. I wasn't powerless. I was three days sober and three weeks sober and three months sober. Like after years of not taking a single day off, even when I had the flu, I was in the process of getting my shit together. And a month or two into the program, I remember expressing my confidence at a meeting and saying how good I felt to be clear-headed and sleeping great. You know, it just felt so good to get myself back. And some asshole rips me a new one, telling me that my confidence would be my downfall, that I was an addict and always would be, and that my addiction was doing push-ups in the parking lot and I needed to respect that or I was literally going to die. And that, my friends, was my last AA meeting. In that moment, I chose to trust myself and call bullshit on the bullshit. I would not be living by other people's rules or let other people's fears become my own. I knew that wasn't true. And I respect that man's right to use fear as a strategy. That's his choice. But we all get to decide what we believe. And in that moment, I decided to believe in myself in my body. I hadn't been doing that for years and I decided it was time to actually trust the experience I was having in my body of my truth. 
And I'm not going to lie. It was not an overnight transformation. I had a long way to go. But I also knew that. I was prepared for a journey. I packed some snacks. You know, I didn't know if I needed to stay 100% sober forever. So my first promise, well, I make lots of promises, but the next promise I made to myself was that I would not have a single drop of alcohol as long as the idea of drinking an entire bottle of wine still sounded like a good time. I promised myself I wouldn't do that to myself. I promised myself I wouldn't abandon myself. And that if that ever changed and I had a drink again and realized I needed help, I would just ask because I've done it before. And that worked out beautifully. I have learned in the process of overcoming an addiction that I am resilient that I have the ability to save myself. I am capable of making mistakes and self-correcting. And I also have learned that I love being sober. I love sleeping well and feeling good in my body and not forgetting things and not doing stupid shit. Like there's nothing better than this. Like nobody ever regrets waking up without a hangover. And I want to be clear that Scientific research actually supports that my experience of recovery as being a learning process is accurate. You know, I realized there was a problem. I tried and failed a lot. And I examined my thinking. I changed my perspective. And I finally was able to change my behavior simply because I had an innate desire to learn how to live differently, how to be happy and healthy. You know, brain scans of people who have been abstinent for six months to one year, that's it, following an active addiction, even though they may have been drinking or using some other substance for decades, within six months to one year, the parts of the brain that are responsible for self-regulation in the prefrontal cortex are actually more developed because of the experience of recovery than in people who have never struggled and certainly obviously in people who are in active addiction. This is called neuroplasticity and it makes sense. When we allow ourselves to learn new skills like how to process our emotions, everything changes. The way we show up to life and experience life changes. And so when that fear occasionally creeps back in, because it does, It's part of the fears and the emotional landscape that exists in my body. So when that fear creeps back in and the pull of that numbness and the idea that I'll someday go back to the woman I used to be, I stop, I drop, and I feel. I put my hand on my heart and I look directly at that fear. I don't try to escape it. I don't try to argue with it. I don't try to justify or do some mental math. I know it's a feeling, not a fact. And I know what's causing that feeling. It could be low dopamine. It could be that a memory, something has triggered a memory or an idea in my head. It could be that a comment somebody has made has pulled me into the past and I've just like woken up in this dream. But I don't have to go back to the past. All I have to do is wake up in the present moment, feeling that fear, allowing it, and then comfort the version of me that is feeling that fear, the version of me that I used to be. And she's reemerged because she needs to be reminded that she's okay, 
that I got this. I got this. So I hope you're able to understand what I'm telling you. You can feel the fear and acknowledge it and allow it and breathe into it and stay with it for as long as it's present. Yeah, this is inconvenient. Like you should not continue to move about your life. You have to stop, drop and feel and pay attention to it. That's the only way to process it instead of just arguing or ignoring or distracting yourself. Like if you just distract yourself, like that can be a healthy coping tool as long as you come back. Like if you don't process the fear, identify the source of the fear and then allow yourself to feel it, then it's just, just going to keep biting you in the ass. So you just have to be prepared to feel the fear without believing the fear. You have to learn how to treat the fear as a feeling, not a fact. So if you want to take control over your mind, you have to change your relationship with fear. Learn how to respond to it intelligently. Running from it, ignoring it, and avoiding it keeps it alive. It pushes it back down so it pops back up. But you don't need to run from what isn't real. And if you start seeing your feelings as an invitation to weed or clean house in your subconscious, then you're able to look directly at it. What's making me feel this way? Oh, I was just thinking it would be fun to be a numb drunk again. Hmm, that's not true. You know, you look directly at it and that's how it then moves through you instead of lingering in your subconscious, you know, like a monster under the bed. Learning how to feel your feelings is how you become the creator of your life because you can decide which ones to believe and which ones to process and let go. So you become the creator of your own life instead of a victim of circumstance. You know, things just trigger your feeling and you react like they're true. So make friends with your fear so that you can wake yourself up when it starts whispering that you're not okay, life is not okay, and there's nothing you can do about it. This is how you quickly move through the fear instead of getting stuck in the fear. It's like a waking nightmare. And if you mistake your feelings for the truth, you'll end up stuck in that dream. And that dream you already know can last for days or months and years or decades. But here's what I want you to hear. When you wake up, it doesn't matter how long you were in the dream. Sometimes you do get stuck back in the dream for days, months, years, but that doesn't matter. All you have to do is wake yourself up in this present moment and begin to move forward. And if it's a hangover that wakes you up because you weren't paying attention yesterday or last week or last month or however long ago you fell asleep, that's okay. Don't abandon yourself. It's okay. You can feel the regret. You can feel the fear. You can feel the frustration with yourself. Like allow all of that to be. The only moment that matters is the present moment. And you may have to process your fear and also detox from alcohol and maybe call somebody for bail money. I don't know. But you can do this. Yes, it is hard, but so is continuing to stay asleep, refusing to wake up because you have consequences that have to be dealt with. Not dealing with them doesn't work either. And living in the nightmare of fearing that you can't control yourself is a nightmare. 
Like the moment you wake up and accept responsibility forever for wherever you are at, that's the moment you can move forward. And you can't move forward until you accept where you're at. So you can train your brain to respond differently to fear. It doesn't happen overnight. And you have to learn how to wake yourself up in many different contexts and at higher and higher levels of stress. I want to be clear that this is not a decision you make, a switch you just flip, and that once you make it, the fear's never going to come back. Nope. This is a skill. Rinse and repeat. You have to do it over and over again. And you learn from both failure and success. You have to practice. And that's why some of my clients refer to my 12-week program, the next chapter, as boot camp for your brain. Because feelings are tricky and sticky. You have to learn how to read your own body language. Pay attention to your body and believe your experience that's going on in your body instead of focusing on your thoughts about the experience. You have to get out of your head and learn how to feel. And that's not what we're used to doing. We're used to letting our minds just run off leash, telling us stories that scare the shit out of us and make us feel bad, and then trying to fix the outside world so that we can tell ourselves the story isn't true. But the story isn't true. It's never true. There's no such thing as a true story. But you can't know that as long as you're living in the story. You can't heal the story with the consciousness that's creating the story. You have to go to a higher level of consciousness. And that is what I can teach you to do. I can teach you how to revisit your old stories when they come up cleverly disguised as feelings. Stories about yourself that you wrote with knowledge and perspective that you had at a single point in time or misinformation and a lack of perspective, whatever applies here. I can teach you how to loosen your grip on those stories to ask what else could be true? What has changed? What have I learned and how have I grown? What is the wisdom that I need to extract from that particular story so I can move forward? This is the skill I teach to busy, high-achieving women who want to change their relationship with alcohol. Some of them come in with active cases of alcohol use disorder. And in that case, on average, most of them reduce their alcohol consumption by over 90% within the first week. Some of them are ready to just rip the bandaid off and go cold turkey and others ease in to sobriety or some level of it at a pace that suits them. But I'll tell you this, some of my clients are actually in my program to recover from AA. They've been going to meetings for years and they're tired of being bossed around by their sponsors and they actually want to reintroduce alcohol. They want to learn how to enjoy a a glass of wine again. You see, sobriety doesn't cure the fear that you can't control yourself. So the work is the same and we do it all together in the same program. I coach all of my clients to set their own unique goals with alcohol and to change their mind as often as they like, as often as they see fit, as often as they feel it is necessary. So they are learning not how to be with alcohol, but to learn how to make decisions that are based on their actual real life experience instead of the stories in their head. Because who you are isn't defined by what you drink. And once you really get that, 
Once you really see that you have a choice and you have always had a choice, you've never been powerless, just misinformed about your power. And once you take the time to learn how to not only feel your feelings, but process them, you will never be stuck in a story again. And my clients enjoy this work so much that I just launched a graduate program for women who want to continue this work after the 12 weeks have finished. So if you've worked with me before and you know I didn't have a a program for you to continue, I do now reach out and if you want to talk about it. But the reason I started this was kind of, it, not kind of, it was a demand. My, cl- my clients were saying, you know, these skills are use it or lose it. And we really want to stay to connected to each other and in community long-term because we want to keep practicing. And so I created a graduate program and we started this this past week because operating from a higher level of consciousness isn't something most people are doing. These are not conversations we have around the water cooler about feeling your feelings, you know, and and changing your story. We're just stuck in our stories and we're talking and that's normal. Okay. The work I do just doesn't feel normal. And that's why you need a place to do it. And that's why I created the graduate program to be a less intense level of support that provides my clients a long-term home base. So, I want to thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Recover with Colleen podcast. And if you want to take the next step in learning how to overcome your fear of losing control of yourself, of going back into the nightmare, then go into the show notes and click the link to register for my free masterclass on how to change your thinking about your drinking. I will explain in that masterclass the four pieces of the puzzle that you need to accelerate your recovery, to bypass all the shame and the stigma and the stories about who you were as a person with a drinking problem and what that means about your future. Like just wipe the slate clean because your recovery has very little to do with alcohol and everything to do with your relationship to yourself. And I promise you that alcohol will no longer be an issue for you when you no longer have a need or desire to escape your own body because you know exactly what to do when feelings come up and threaten to suck you into a story that is not true. So I want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, please share this episode with a friend. And if you really like it, please subscribe. When you subscribe, I get credit for the downloads and the algorithm kind of boosts me in the ratings and other people can find the show. So if you can subscribe to the show or if you're on Apple, scroll down on my homepage, the Recover with Colleen page and leave me a review. I would appreciate that. And then if you want to follow me on Instagram, find me at recover with Colleen. And then if you want to hear more from me, get on my email list. I'll put a link in the show notes. I send one email per week with strategies, motivations, tips and tricks, whatever about changing your mind with alcohol, learning how to feel your feelings, learning how to regulate your nervous system. My emails are really good. And then the only other time I'll email you is if I have an upcoming event. Like right now I'm working on a recovery storytelling workshop. I'm hoping 
hoping to get that on the calendar before the end of October. I think it'll be a three-part workshop. Um, so if you're on my email list, you're going to be updated and be invited to register for that so that you don't hear about it after the fact. Um, it's going to be so fabulous. I went to a She Recovers conference this last weekend. The theme was all about storytelling. I had so much healing, so much perspective shifts, massive changes in you know my own awareness of the story I'm telling myself and how I am identifying and how that is changing the way I show up in the world. So I'm going to put on a workshop. It's going to be amazing and you're definitely going to want to hear about it. So get in the show notes and uh, subscribe to my email list so that you can get more information on that. And I will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to the Recover with Colleen podcast.